Welcome, everybody. It's a pleasure to welcome you to the Stanford Center for South Asia podcast. I am Lalita Duperan, Associate Director of the Center, and all our uh, podcasts and information about the Center are available at southasia.stanford.edu. Today, I welcome Gauri Gupta, currently visiting Stanford from Singapore through the Distinguished Careers Institute. Gauri has been in theater and acting since her early days growing up in Mumbai. She works as a theater actor, writer and producer, and she has a strong affinity towards social issues in her work. She is passionate about Hindustani classical music and dance and has curated many thematic productions. And uh, we were listening as we were coming in to um, Iqbal Bano recording a poem by Fez and uh, Gauri will speak to that a little bit later on as well. Um, we look forward to finding out much more about her from her herself speaking to us today. Gauri, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for inviting me, Lalita. It's, uh, it's great to have you. So Distinguished Careers Institute, tell us more. What brought you to Stanford? So I think it was a complete sense of midlife adventure. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I'm spending a year at the DCI, Distinguished Careers Institute. It's a unique program for individuals in midlife and helps us renew our purpose, find new pathways to follow for the remaining part of our lives and careers, and fosters an intergenerational interaction with the student community at Stanford through mentorship, etc. Many of my cohort mates have been involved in these sort of projects, and that's a very important part of our one-year fellowship. For all of us at DCI who are from diverse professions and backgrounds, it is like a magical stolen year, and we've been completely enjoying ourselves. It's, uh, it's, it sounds wonderful. Um, I imagine that things have been uh, uh, affected quite dramatically by uh, the recent changes in our working situation. But uh, let's get to that. Uh, tell me more before we uh, talk about COVID, um, your life as a theatre producer. I like to call myself a cultural curator because some of my activities go beyond theatre. Fair. Uh, so in my work life, I started off as a copywriter and then gradually turned into a scriptwriter for one of India's largest production houses. But uh, I was also a trailing spouse who followed a husband with a corporate career. So I had to keep moving, moving my locations. And so I kept reinventing myself as I went along. And over the years, my, my dabbling in theater started with children's productions as I myself had three young kids, and as a parent raising her kids overseas, it seemed like the only way to keep my children rooted to their heritage and culture was through music, dance, and drama. Gradually, I started experimenting with more diverse themes like integration of migrants into society. I think immigration and assimilation are always something crucial issues in our lives as global nomads. I'm sure you would agree with that. Indeed. <laughs> so I have taken themes like deforestation and environmental degradation of the river Ganga and actually have written a play on your favorite city, Banaras. <laughs> Mental illness forms the basis of two of my plays, one of which is to be performed online on the 30th and 31st and the second one at a later date. 
so along with writing, directing, I also spend a lot of time in curating scripts, conducting workshops for actors, uh, you know, creating thematic productions using dance and music, uh, using stories that are native to our culture, bringing them in for a more contemporary audience. You and being, are a, a cultural curator, Gauri, sorry. <laughs> being surrounded by young and artistic people and trying to create something new and interesting each and every time gives me the creative adrenaline that seems like a life force that keeps me going. So I just want to pick up a little bit the, the trailing spouse. It sounds like you, I don't even know if it was a lemon to be a, a trailing spouse, but you certainly made a delicious nimbupani out of that lemon. <laughs> if it was a lemon, I don't know. Were you ever resentful? Did you ever feel like, you know, I could be doing something else? Or, or was, was, did it just work out really well for you? I'm curious. Well, it's it's interesting that you say that because I've actually used that same expression myself. Because <laughs> even in my life, before I got married, before I was a trailing spouse, my father worked for the government of India. And so we traveled all over the country. And we were always in new stations every three or four years. And while it was difficult at that time, I've also realized that that, that has taught me the skill of resilience and starting anew wherever you are planted mm-hmm. and also taking the best that a place has to offer. Right. So in my case, it meant that I just got to, I got exposed to that many more new languages and culture within my own country. So I always call myself a pan-Indian. Right. And these days I think of myself as a pan-Asian. <laughs> yes. So, so I think the lament... Uh, actually turned into something that is a happy song. Yeah, I wonder now actually listening if you, if you had to be in the same place for a very long time, whether that would, um, you know, even maybe stifle your creativity. So you're, you're doing this online play this weekend. I think by the time people um, hear this, it may have been the weekend just gone. So we can talk about whether it's available online. Uh, was it always meant to be online or is this uh, a post-COVID development? No, this is very much a new possibility that COVID gave us. And as, as you well know, and we all know, COVID has changed the way we led our lives in such unforeseen ways. And uh, one of the sector's worst hit is the arts industry. Mm-hmm. Because for us, the stage is our platform. Right. But when will audiences return to be entertained in small or large spaces? It seems like an impossible dream in current times. And for me personally, it is even more. Because uh, as I said, uh, I'm in Stanford just for a year. And uh, I was cast in a couple of productions and I was all looking forward to that, you know, in my short stay here. Mm-hmm. I think I'd like to quote this share of the famous uh, Urdu Shire Zafar, which best describes my predicament, my predicament, my predicament. Umre daraz maang ke lai the char din, do arzu mein kat gaye, do intazar mein. But then the performing arts also teaches us how to innovate creatively. And performers the world over have quickly adapted to bringing our content online. And that is what I myself have been closely involved with. 
So play readings with various groups in the area. And with each reading that we are doing, the craft is becoming more sophisticated. Right. So I'm all set to take my play, Mindless Whispers, to the digital stage this weekend. This is a play that I had staged in Singapore three years ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, I've had to make a lot of tweaks and changes to it because to adapt a full-length production to suit the short attention span of an online audience, Indeed. to do without light and sound, which adds so much magic to the theatrical experience is quite a challenge. But then new challenges also provide new possibilities. You are relentlessly positive. I mean, you already uh, sp spoke about COVID as it, it's giving us many new possibilities. I think for most of us, we get to that point after going through uh, the lament of, of how our lives have changed. But I think you're absolutely right that the arts are um, in a particular predicament. Um, just out of a kindness to our listeners who may not all have uh, been able to understand the, the shower that you res recited earlier. Could you, would you give us a quick translation of what you... Uh, oh, the, the shair. Yes. Um, which was basically a lament by Bahadur Shah Zafar when he was, uh, he was imprisoned. So he was, uh, he was, uh, he had to abdicate his throne when the British took over and he was the last Mughal emperor. And he was imprisoned in Rangoon and he died over there in Burma. And what he says is that, well, he says that in the rest of the poem where he says that, you know, I've been the emperor of this large land, but even two, two feet of ground is denied to me for my grave because he had to die overseas. And in this particular share, he, he says um, that he asked for just four days so it basically means a lifetime but in that lifetime uh, two days were spent in aspiration and two in waiting for something to happen right. and I think we spend a great deal of our life waiting for the right moment to happen and it doesn't happen and sometimes unforeseen things take over and then you know life just changes which is what COVID had really done for us mm -hmm. but uh, I'm full of admiration of the entire creative community world over because it has just you know swung into its own and so much of new content is being created online and uh, digital shows digital concerts there are music tracks that have come out. So much of that is happening right now. And I'm really excited because uh, while I was lamenting just, you know, two months back, but uh, this new challenge has provided uh, this new opportunity. And by taking my play from the stage to the digital screen, I'm able to open up my online proscenium to the world. Right. So my, my father in a small town in India my 90-year-old aunt in Canada, to my friends in Europe and South Africa, all can become part of that experience. And as an arts creator, nothing could be more pleasurable. It's, it's, I find it fascinating. I mean, this podcast series have, has come out of, of being, uh, not being able to be on campus and we wanted to kind of keep community going. We've also done a couple of uh, webinars and um, the webinars were attended from people all over the world who obviously would not be able to come to a real life uh, lecture uh, on the Stanford campus. And so, of course, while we miss 
the physical connection, the, the, the chatting, the seeing people. Uh, there are definitely good things also happening in this kind of virtual environment. Tell us more about the play and can people see it? Let's say they're listening to the podcast uh, in a few yes, days yes. And, and, and then what, can, now they're curious, now what do they do? They can actually see it even after because it will be on Facebook Live for this group cloudplayhouse.com okay. and uh, they will also be posting it online on YouTube so it can always be seen later and what we are trying to do actually because there has been a lot of play reading going on but we are doing a live performance we are calling it performance because it's not a reading it's not short and edited it is five different actors in five different parts of the world who are coming together and uh, oh performing together. So that is, uh, yeah. And, and we are also doing a different show for Asia timing so that our audience in Singapore and in India or in UK can see it at a different time than those of us in the US. Oh, that's very kind of you. Okay, so you're doing two of them at different times yes. so that you not everybody, not, nobody has to get up at two o'clock in the morning. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> very, uh, very I'm thinking of doing a lot more of such dig digital shows with theatre groups that are now no longer limited by geography. So I could be here and, and my actors could be in another part. So it could be with various groups and I think they're just all coming together because of this. It's, uh, it's really quite remarkable um, how much creativity is, uh, is happening as a result of the situation you're in. Uh, we listened to Iqbal Bano and, and we talked a little bit before uh, we pressed record about her poetry. I, I know you as a very active uh, participant in our uh, Center for South Asian Mushaira evenings, which I will uh, talk a little bit about later. Uh, I know you come from a family of Urdu poets. You've already quoted some poetry for us. Uh, tell us more about that side of your life. Yes, I was blessed to be born into a family of poets and writers. So I was always surrounded by people who were masters of language. And language is not just words with which you communicate to your needs, but language is your essence, your roots. It's a tool that you use to paint pictures, to sing songs, to express love, to express nuance in ways that el very little else can. And knowing and speaking languages links you to the world, to other cultures and broadens your own horizon. Look at you yourself, Lalita. You are Dutch and you are a scholar of Sanskrit. I'm so impressed. My Sanskrit days are far behind me, but so I just want to clarify that. But yes, that was my initial route into South Asia studies. You're correct on that. And I'd love to have more discussions on that uh, with you at a future date sometime. We'll do that off air. I would be delighted. Real chai. <laughs> uh, and if not real, then virtual chai, of course. <laughs> Right. So for me, both Hindi and Urdu are my own. And I was born into a background which epitomized the Ganga Jamuni Tehzeeb or the syncretic culture of India. So I'm fully, uh, you know, I'm as comfortable in one as the other. And uh, I would love to quote this particular shape which I, which I often... Yeah. That's okay. Take your time finding it. In, in fact, while you do that, let me just tell our listeners that we will have another Mushaira open mic 
evening uh, on June 5th. That's at 8 p.m. Pacific time. If you're interested in participating, just reciting a poem. It does not have to be in Urdu, it can be in any language. Uh, I myself has, have recited something in Dutch. I did then translate it into English for our audience. Uh, just go to our website, southasia.stanford.edu. Uh, and information is there. So that is something that we've been doing in the center to kind of keep community going. Gauri, back to you. Yes, so as I said, I'm totally, totally comfortable in both the languages. I don't know when Hindi ends and Urdu begins or, or vice versa. And uh, it is music and uh, popular culture which also links us to, to this kind of heritage. And I think it is one of the most beautiful things about being in South Asia that we, we connect at so many levels. Uh, and in my work, language has played a very important role uh, because uh, my love for Hindi and my work in theatre has resulted in finding Hindi, Hindi theatre. Hindi theater, Hindi theater. Through theatre, the works of celebrated masters is recreated for younger audiences. Uh, fresh content is created, so you have that many more people who suddenly decide to write, start writing in Hindi, which they didn't do before. And Indians and non-Indians alike get exposed to ongoing work in Hindi. Mm -hmm. I'm also fortunate uh, to belong to various spoken word and poetry groups that are doing some amazing work in Hindi. Amazing. So, so the, this, this is like really one of the most wonderful things that... Uh, uh, that language opens you uh, to if you only love language, which, which so many of us here do. Indeed. And I'd like to quote this one famous share by Dr. Bashir Badra, which says, Wo itra dansa lehja mere ka, rachi basi hui urdu zuban ki khushbu. So the, it, which means the the diction, that fragrant diction of my forefathers from which emanates the aroma of Urdu. Hmm. And the way these two languages are uh, sort of together, you know, syncretic, is best represented in this little verse which my friend, a fellow poet from Singapore has uh, written. And he says, Meri janani me apne geet jab bhi gungunata hoon. Meri mausi, meri urdu bhi mujh par naaz karti hai. Mein dono me hi apni asmita mazboot paata hoon. And he is a poet called Rajendra Tiwari Suraj who writes extensively. And I would uh, translate this and tell our listeners who may not understand. Whenever I pick up my pen to write in Hindi, when I hum my songs in my mother tongue, my aunt, my Urdu, also smiles indulgently at me. In the presence of both, I find my identity. And I uh, it, it's beautiful and it also segs very nicely and something I want to ask you is uh, you, you talk about that you're not quite sure where the one language ends and the other begins. I think that is in, indeed not possible to say. So your feeling is, uh, I think, uh, felt by many and, and the language is just like that. 
how do you relate to Hindi and Urdu? I mean, do you relate to them separately when you write or do you really see them as the same? And how do you perceive the politics around that? Or does that not really come into your work? Or are there decisions that you make to use a certain word another, another, and not another word because of the kind of um, political implications of vocabulary, for example? Great question. I'm glad you asked that. Hmm. So for me, I do not know where Hindi begins and where Urdu comes in into that because that language together is called Hindustani. And that, that Hindustani is our own. It's, it's very much a language that was born, you know, in the Indo-Gangetic plane. And so it is as much my language as it is anyone else's. And uh, it is... Language is something that is so closely related to culture. And I think politics may try to get into it, but it cannot because culture is far more bigger. So language is something that gives us an identity and a sense of belonging. But again, language divides us. Right. And this has been seen the world over, not just in the subcontinent. Right. But within the South Asian context, it becomes a bigger issue because we have so much diversity, right. so many dialects. India speaks hundreds of languages and dialects. Some are getting extinct while some are still in use with considerable speakers. Uh, there are 22 languages that are given the official language status. Right. And, and yet there are many, many more. There are hundreds more that that are not in this, but which are considered dialects. Right. And our debate on what the national language is <laughs> continues even 73 years after our formation. Correct. The imposition of larger languages has resulted in the drowning of smaller languages and dialects. And while Hindi is spoken by the biggest numbers, it is still rejected by the South. There is no common language across the South. Right. And so English continues to be a unifying language. We have embraced English, made it our own, added our own unique words and nuances to English and made it into Hinglish, right. which I think cuts across all our boundaries. And it's, it's really our own language with our own accent now. <laughs> and while politically, politically Hindi has been opposed as the national language, and there have been ongoing tussle with regional languages. It is popular culture and Bollywood and music, which is certainly a unifier. So I think all over, all over India and all over South Asia, the popularity of Bollywood films has kind of really taken Hindi beyond its political boundaries. And I think that that is a, a positive thing. Because instead of dividing, it does unite us with strangers. And, and again, to the point of how do we divide these languages, it's the Hindi of, of Bollywood is, uh, is, is a Hindi Urdu or Hindustani, however you want to word that. Uh, but it's certainly not uh, a very specific language on a, a particular end of the spectrum, if we want to put it that way. And, and so I think that's also the beauty of it. It's very democratic in that way. It is, it is, it is totally democratic because just this embracing of new words and lingo, mm. you know, just makes it cut across borders of economics and education. 
and uh, just makes it acceptable to all. Tell us uh, a little bit about the uh, the um, the ghazal that we started with, Iqbal Bano. Iqbal Bano is uh, has been such a popular singer. Pakistani singer who was very popular in India in the 50s and 60s and the particular song that you played was a favorite of my mother and I think I have learned most things in regard to music and language from my mother so it for me it was a great beginning to be sitting there and listening to those words it was a warm and homely feeling and that is exactly the feeling that I get Lalita when I come to the Mushaira organized by the Center for South Asia and I must thank you for that because uh, especially in a lockdown in a cloistered situation it symbolizes a warm cozy supportive ambiance much like the betak of a typical South Asian home. <laughs> it's, it's quite amazing how that, I mean, that was just an idea when, when we first went into lockdown, my director, Professor Dusha Menon and I were kind of brainstorming like, okay, we need to keep things going. And one of us, I can't even remember how that conversation went. We had lots of different ideas and, oh, let's try that. And, um, and we did. And uh, finding these these um, amazing, ta amazingly talented people. Uh, some people recite, people are singing as well. There's so much beautiful singing voices uh, on the Stanford campus that we're now finding out about because of this virtual Mushaira. Um, and I've learned so much about you as well from that, Gauri. It's, it's been- It is wonderful. It is, I have felt so at home, even among strangers. And it is wonderful to hear poetry and ghazals of all the great poets. And the fact that it's all among our own Stanford community, it's, it's my favorite social do on a Friday night. <laughs> well, that's wonderful to hear. I'll make another uh, pitch for it at the end in case people miss that in the, in the beginning. Uh, and um, I'm going to also play a little bit more of that song as we kind of uh, say our goodbyes. Uh, but before I do that, I just want to ask you, you said you came to Stanford for a year. When does that year end or has it now been changed because of the lockdown? Well, the whole thing is in a little bit of uh, uncertainty because uh, we do not know when we'd be able to get back. Officially, our year gets over in August, end of August, though we did have the option of continuing for a quarter or two. Uh, there's indecision about that now, you know, what we would have in August or in the right. winter quarter. So it looks like my year at Stanford will come to an end in August. And I would like to utilize my time as much as I can while I'm still here. And uh, what I would like to do and what I plan to do in the next uh, quarter is lots and lots more of uh, my digital play performances, which I'm going to be doing with other groups in the Bay Area. And I'm also actually going to be doing a class with my own DCI cohort, uh, which would be uh, you know, play readings and uh, how to how to take theater online. So that's going to be a fun, entertaining kind of a class. Wow, amazing! And so you're organizing that for the people in the yes. careers yes. institute. Yes, with a well, completely non-acting background. So it's just going to be a fun, like a gathering amongst friends where we get together and we read plays and we try to perform them and not just read them. And I would actually love to to do this sort of thing with other like-minded people and do readings, play readings or storytelling in Hindi and Urdu or other languages. 
you know, this can introduce the younger, younger population to the works of the old masters mm-hmm. and the gems of literature that, that are there in South Asia that can be adapted very well to this new format that we have now, which for, for some time seems to be the only format that we will have. I think that's realistic. Uh, I, we don't know yet what, what's scheduled for fall, but uh, I, I think regardless of what the reality on the ground, I think a lot of these virtual um, get-togethers, community builders, bringing together of, of minds and, and talent will continue just because we can and we're used to it now. So uh, even when you do go back to Singapore, Gauri, I hope to see you at you know, whatever event may be going and, and maybe we can get one of these uh, reading groups that you suggest happening either in summer or in fall that would be wonderful we can talk about that uh, our audience uh if you are interested in any of the things we're talking about uh, that may even be happening in the future southasia.stanford.edu you can also sign up to our mailing list uh, that's at the bottom of the screen where you come into the website and then you'll just be kept up to date for whatever we're organizing as time goes on i want to um ends my uh, podcast today thanking our guest, Gauri Gupta, who is at Stanford through the Distinguished Careers Institute. Uh, we covered a lot of ground and it's been really nice getting to know you uh, even a little bit better, Gauri. Thank you, Lalita. I enjoyed so much talking to you. It's, uh, it's really been uh, amazing. So thank you. I'm going to play a little bit more of the um, Iqbal Bano Razo in just a minute. We don't have a fancy editing team. So uh, it's basically me clicking buttons. So you audience, please bear with me for just a second. I listen to uh, other podcasts. I'm like, wow, that's all very smooth. And then there's this list of 15 people that get thanked at the end. And I'm thinking, okay, <laughs> that, is, <laughs> that is the difference. Um, but I also just want to uh, refer back to Gori's play that's are going to be airing this weekend so before the podcast comes out it's called mindless whispers if you would like to see it uh it will be on youtube uh you can also find out information at cloudplayhouse.com and yes. i also want to make a quick apology i think we had some noise disruption uh during the recording of this podcast uh wi-fi we're all at home we're all doing our best with what we have uh, but if you did hear at home if you did hear a little bit of uh a noise or feedback then apologies we're doing the best we can thank you all so much for joining us today